welcome to the second season of our Triune Pod. We are still preparing you to praise. Join me, the Reverend Nick Comiskey, and the Reverend Bendy Hart for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the Psalms. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Ben DeHart, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, getting dark kind of early around here. Oh, so another. You're just going right. Oh, Dude, my I don't gosh. Care. I don't care. I know everyone's like, don't stop complaining about You're that. Such You're such a meme. You're such a meme. Whatever. I got, I was walking home from the Calvary offices at 4.50 p.m. Did you it was trip dark. and fall? Oh, Ben. You know what? You know what? This is how he really feels, listeners. He's just playing the contrarian. I know it. Um, I know it too well. So what's anything you've been uh, imbibing culturally? You know, movies, uh, television, comic books? Music? I mean, really, there's only been one thing that's come out that we should all have set our ears onto. And that is, after 40 years, Ava has a brand new album. Oh have you been listening gosh. to that? No. <laughs> is that a real question? Is Am the, I listening? That is a very real question. To and the it's new actually, ABBA? It actually turned out pretty good. I mean, is the whole album awesome? No, but I still have faith in you. Keep an eye on Dan. Don't shut me down. Pretty amazing. It brings you right back to the 1971. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, like, hear me out. It's, I am not saying that it's bad uh, you know like or whatever you know that i i, I like that i have so impeccable taste it's just it could not be anything i could not be less interested in something than the new album record That's, well you better uh, be because when you're here for my birthday in december uh you know karaoke bars across the world are gonna rejoice for this <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough man yeah I've, I've been i know we've we've been texting offline about the new war on drugs. And I was initially like, I, it sounds cool, but am I actually ever gonna really listen to it? And um, I have kept listening to it. I probably listened to the album now like eight, nine times. I'm starting uh -huh. to get into it. It start, it's starting to click. Yeah, it's okay. a slow burn. But um, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a long drive or a long run or commute somewhere and you throw it on, like it, it, it takes you on a journey. It's pretty good. All right, speaking of good, we got a banger of a psalm today psalm 16 it's about the resurrection of jesus it's about david i guess anyway here's how it goes ben is going to talk to us about it psalm 16 protect me O god for i take refuge in you i have said to the lord you are my lord my good above all other all my delight is upon the godly that are in the land upon those who are noble among the people but those who run after other gods shall have their troubles multiplied. Their libations of blood I will not offer, nor take the names of their gods upon my lips. O Lord, you are my portion and my cup. It is you who uphold my lot. My boundaries enclose a pleasant land. Indeed, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. My heart teaches me night after night. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not fall. My heart, therefore, is glad, and my spirit rejoices. My body also shall rest in hope. For you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your Holy One see the pit. You will show me the path of life. 
in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. All right. Well, right off the bat in that first verse, we hear the psalmist say that the Lord is my good above all other. And the psalm as a whole seems like a confession of trust or a confession of faith. Over and over, we see language like the Lord is my safety, my refuge, my portion and my cup, my counsel. He's essentially saying the Lord is my everything. The Lord is my obsession. And when I hear this language, it sounds to me a whole lot what we like to poo-poo on all that time. And it's like your personal relationship with the Lord. But when I, when I read this psalm, I see that very thing. Um, the psalmist is essentially saying that I want to be obsessed with the Lord. Like that's, that's what it means by trust. Not like I have a warm, tingly feeling of faith right now, or, you know, I'm in the pit and I'm calling out to you. There are plenty of Psalms like that, but in this Psalm, it is as if, if I'm obsessed with you, Lord, uh, that is life. That's going to keep me in the good way. Um, yeah. Anything you got from there? That's the first thing I really wanted to say. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was cool. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, honestly, no, I, I have, I have, yeah, I, oh, I have fair. things to say, but I, I think I would just yeah, be yeah. Re repeating what you said in less eloquent ways, but I think that no, orientation of, of the heart and that trust as the foundation, I think that does seem to be what's, what's on display here for sure. Yeah. And we see that kind of manifested in, uh, I, I look to the noble among the people again, it's like, like, you know, the Lord, I, and you're in these Psalms, we're essentially saying, my hope is that the Lord is my obsession. And he's acknowledging here that there are those who are noble in the land whose faith or trust he looks up to. But then there's, there's also the, the, the contrasting thing. There's this, you know, if the result of complete obsession with God is joy, gladness, and hope, the opposite, the running after lesser gods, the running after what we called last season, lovers less wild, that we think will satisfy us, will actually only bring trouble and suffering. And so he says, I will not do it. I will not pour out those libations. And while you and I may not believe in the, you know, be drawn to the stones that are like the God of wealth or the God of beauty, uh, we may de demythologize that because those gods are very much alive and well today. Just look at your Instagram for five seconds. And, you know, I, <laughs> I don't want to talk. I, I've got it all figured out. I, I click on those Instagram ads all the time. And whether I buy it or not, I, I lust after these things. But I mean, it, it's, it's pretty basic on some level. The Lord is our life. When we put these other things as gods, they let us down. They lead to trouble and suffering and ultimately to the realm of death. Yeah, that's great. So here's a question for you, Ben. These when we come across a psalm like this, that is a unapologetic declaration of piety that may not be representative of the prayer, namely us. So, you know, um, I have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, my good above all other. Um, I will not run after those other gods. I will not take their name on my lips. If you're like, like when you're praying that, like if people are going to be praying that on Sunday morning, what in your, in your view, what do you, what do, would you want to have happen? Like is the, is the purpose that these prayers, Psalms would remind you of that, which you are not doing like, or would they in some ways by saying it, would it become more true of you through the act of, does that make sense? Like, totally. totally. 
it's like a simultaneous um, conviction, but also inspiration. And I think, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to hold those two together. I mean, I think it's um, my natural, my modus operandi is to go to, wow, I don't really do any of these things. My obsession is my, you know, safety. My obsession is stuff. It's not really the Lord and I'm a minister. Yeah. So I can't expect too much of you if you're not a minister that you're probably a better person than me. Uh, but yeah, no, so that conviction, but also when I read songs like this, it makes, it's, it centers me. It makes me realize what is true, that the Lord brings life, all of these other false gods, these less wild lovers. Uh, things might be cool for a second, but I just think of like, you know, the, <laughs> the fashion or the clothing that I've purchased that's pretty expensive and I've been really pumped about uh, when I get it. And then, you know, I'll get a stain on my shirt three days after buying it or something. And you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> But it like it also serves to be like, man, like why did I, why did why was this so important? It's just gonna pass, uh, which I think is kind of where this psalm is going. Um, the reason why we put so much trust in the Lord is that that great verse ten that I hope we'll talk about much more. But for you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your holy one see the pit. Last week we talked about mortality, right? And this week it's it's similar. We we put our trust in God, the God who offers life, because God does not fade away. <laughs> the stuff does, the beauty does, all our other obsessions, these sometimes good things, they all fade away, but our Lord does not. Our Lord shows us the path of life, and he will not let his holy ones see the pit. You and me, who have been declared holy <laughs> by virtue of what Christ has done, obviously, but yeah, I mean, this is why, this is just true, whether we feel it or not, whether we live up to it or not, it's true, and so I want it. <laughs> well, okay, let me, let me press you on that. It, um, so, like, verse 9, I'm, 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 again, I'm thinking about people who are going to be praying this psalm. Hmm. You say, my heart, therefore, is glad, my uh -huh. spirit rejoices, my body also shall rest in hope. So, imagine you're a person coming into Sunday morning, and you're like, you're not feeling glad, you're not rejoicing, you're not feeling hopeful. So you, you say those words, you literally say those words and you're, as the idea that like, oh, I am not like, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not asking this question very well, but I'm just wondering is the, is the pedagogy here, like mm. name it and claim it? <laughs> is mm. it, um, is it reminding you of that, which you do that you should long for in Christ? I, I guess, I mean, I'll just yeah. put my cards on the table. I feel like part of what the invitation here is, is to do kind of some naming and claiming. Totally, like totally. by saying it, you're kind of making it more true of yourself. Like, and it's kind of outside in. You're not like mm -hmm. looking for the feeling and then you're looking for the words to testify to that, which you already feel. It's more like you're taking the words that are external to you and by praying them in faith and in, in light of your connection to Christ, you are like, you're bringing them in. Like you're saying that is going to be my actual experience, not just yeah. what I say on the page. I think it's what you said last week, right? In that, in that song where you Def definitely, definitely. Is. Oh, my oh, soul. Yeah. Even here, it's like, it's a prayer, but you're, it's like the psalmist is really talking to himself too. It's, <laughs> I feel like that reveals that the, the author or authors of this psalm didn't quite have what they say they have. They're like pumping themselves up to have it. It's kind of what you said last season about like, we talk about imputation. The Lord says a word over us and therefore we have it. But there is such a thing as self-imputation. It's, uh, it's, it's not to be confused with 
you know, I'm actually very depressed and all I have to do is say, Ben, you're happy because you're in the Lord. No, <laughs> that's why we have other parts of scripture that interact with this one. And we have other Psalms that just end in complete despair and that's okay. But here in this Psalm, we have an instance of times when self-imputation is a good thing. And maybe that's, you know, maybe our, our culture, our society ODs on that, like never hear, never in entertain a negative thought about yourself, blah, blah, blah. But if there's anything we can get from that, it, it's true that, as you said, naming and claiming or self-imputation of what God says about us, something that's actually true and not something we're making up is healthy. Yeah, and that's it's, a key, that's a key inspires us. That's a key yeah. distinction. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I think it just inspires us to, you know, to want to want the good. Cause that's really what I'm saying. Like I, I acknowledge that this is true but, you know, 30 seconds after recording this pod, I'm going to be right back on my Instagram ads. Um, I want this to be true. May it be so. And so, you know, sometimes I'm going to claim it. It's good, man. So have you read um, God in the Art of Happiness by Alan Sherry? I have it, but I have not. So yeah, I've never read, I've never read either. <laughs> yeah. Great title, but yeah, no, definitely not read it. Um, I, I was having this conversation last night, very thoughtful conversation. Well, the person I was talking to was very thoughtful. Um, and did you, did you come across that article in the Atlantic about children, um, Which one? about like the anti anti-natalist It's basically this, like this critique of it was an investigation about whether or not children make you happy. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, there was a some of it's for like climate change reasons. Some of it's for like economic reasons. There's like this anti-natalist movement. Are you familiar with this? That's basically like no. pooing the idea of like having kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I believe. And uh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's like again a climate change thing. Sometimes it's much more like baldly materialistic. Like they're really expensive, and you need to. It's the economy is really bad now. So you, you know whatever. But um, one of the the pieces of the article is is you know they they kind of concede that under a certain definition of happiness kids will not make you more happy. They might decrease your happiness according to a certain level of definition of happiness, but kids increase your meaning or satisfaction in life remarkably. Uh, they give you a purpose, you know, much greater than yourself. So anyway, uh, interesting article. And I was talking to this person about it and we had this conversation around like, does God want people to be happy? Is that like a biblical idea, for example? And I, um, yeah. at that point, was unaware that we were going to be talking about Psalm 16 in this podcast. <laughs> but um, but I, if I would have known, I would have directed the, my dear conversation partner to Psalm 16 because, you know, I don't really care that much of whether you use the word happiness or joy or gladness. But this notion that at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. When we set the Lord always before us, our heart is glad. Our spirit rejoices. I think there is a portrait here of the faithful in Christ being profoundly happy because of the relationship that she has with God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I went to, you know, my Russian Jewish barber and he was, you know, pontificating and talking about how all these young people aren't having kids or don't want to have kids. And he was saying, you know, just an ordinary guy who is lovable and wild. But he said, I mean, if you don't have kids, what do you have? Like, mm. It was just kind of the antithesis of that article or like that movement. Of yeah, just, yeah. And kind of what you're saying, like, I, there is zero meaning without carrying kids into existence. That's very Hebraic, right? I mean, look yeah. at all the 
mothers who suffer from not being able to have kids and 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 that's like devastating yeah but i want to go back to verse 10 real quick okay please so this 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 uh this verse is quoted by both peter and paul in acts so this verse for you will not abandon me to the grave nor let your holy one see the pit how does this make sense in the old testament right there's not this like fully formed doctrine of resurrection. So for the individual Israelite, maybe this just means while I have life, I will have abundant life if I'm, you know, obsessed with the Lord. Or maybe it's talking about corporate Israel, right? It's like, you know, our, speaking of children, um, those who come after us will, you know, not be put in the exile if we are, you know, faithful to God. But I think where Peter and Paul really pick up on this is that for the Christian, this promise is truly fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Christ. In a very literal sense, God will not abandon us to the grave. He'll not let us see the pit. We will, we will not fall prey to the realm of death because this Lord who we talk about in the Psalm, who is also revealed through Jesus Christ, uh, it just, I feel like it gives even more meaning to this Psalm. It's not just life here. Mm. It is everlasting life. Yeah, amen. It's real hope. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, the, the purpose of this podcast is to not simply do a psalm Bible study, but it's to remind or to hopefully increase the joy and meaning that you get from the psalm that you would read on Sunday morning in church. And, you know, we read this psalm, uh, you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your holy one see the pit, you will show me the path of life in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And then you know, about 15 minutes, well, depending on the length of the preacher, maybe 25 minutes later, you, you know, proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And that is the fulfillment of the path of life. That is our entry into the fullness of joy. That is where pleasures forevermore. They're seated at the right hand of the father in Jesus Christ. And that's ours, you know, so we, I think, um, make, you know, thoroughly Christianizing this psalm is, I don't mean that in an anti-Jewish way. I just mean like reading into this Old Testament text, the story of our faith and our Lord. It's like not only licensed by Peter and Paul, but I think it's something that makes the psalm profoundly comforting and, and encouraging. So let's pray. Protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, my good above all other. All my delight is upon the godly that are in the land, upon those who are noble among the people. But those who run after other gods shall have their troubles multiplied. Their libations of blood I will not offer, nor take the names of their gods upon my lips. O Lord, you are my portion and my cup. It is you who uphold my lot. My boundaries enclose a pleasant land. Indeed, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. My heart teaches me night after night. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not fall. My heart, therefore, is glad and my spirit rejoices. My body also shall rest in hope. For you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your holy one see the pit. You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.